0: the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Praise God. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I know we know these verses, folks. We've quoted them a lot these last couple of years. Okay? But if we can just catch a hold of that first statement, if we just abide in His shadow, if we just dwell in His secret place, we will be under His wing. You are under His, his protection. Yes. Amen? Yes. This is not my message here tonight. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like we've got to hit this again. Mm-hmm. We've got to hit it again. Mm-hmm. We're not to be afraid. This is not about whether you wear a mask or whether you not wear a mask. It's not about whether you get a vaccine or not get a vaccine. Mm-hmm. This is about whether or not you're trusting in God. Mm-hmm. See, it's the world that's trying to make it about the masks and the mm-hmm. distancing and the sanitizers and the you know uh, vaccines that don't even work. And now all oh, you got to get boosters, and it's it's a never ending. Listen, people are dying on the vaccines, folks. Mm-hmm. They're dying with the vaccines, There are thousands and thousands of people that have died with the vaccine. Mm-hmm. It's not our hope. Right. It, uh, we, the Lord told us that at the start. That's right. he, he told us that at the start almost two years ago. Mm-hmm. Our hope is not in a vaccine. Yeah. The vaccine didn't actually come out for many months later, but the message is the same. Our hope is not a vaccine. We're not hoping for a vaccine. So it's not about whether or not you're taking a vaccine. It's not about whether or not you're wearing a mask. It's not uh, about whether or not you're you're, you're meeting with... uh, a group of people, like we're doing right here tonight. Or whether or not you're properly socially distancing yourself. Or all the rules that we have to constantly. Uh, are, you, are you washing your hands every 20 minutes? And You know, all this chicken fear. Mm-hmm. I'm not rebuking anybody. I know I come across harsh a lot of times. And it makes people think, oh, he's mad at us. I'm not mad. I'm mad at the devil for what he's doing. But you know what? We're in the end times. We're in the end times. Yes, our job, our, well not our job necessarily, our hope is that we can abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Amen. amen. If we will live in His secret place, amen? amen. We just move into a secret place. That The devil and the world have tried to make it about procedures and medicines and this and that. It's about whether or not you're trusting in God. You trust in God? Amen. No matter what happens to you, it's fine. Mm-hmm no matter what happens to you, you're with Him. If your physical body dies, you're with Him. Amen. Praise God. If your physical body gets sick, you're with Him. Mm-hmm. If your physical body comes through it unscathed, you're still with Him.
1: Amen.
0: Praise God. Trusting in God is not a guarantee that you won't go through stuff, right? Right. No. It's it's really just about what, what, what it's worth in your life. Right? We... Uh, we knew a lady years ago, unfortunately she passed away. She had lung cancer. Mm-hmm. Lung cancer. Couldn't quit the cigarettes. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and it, it's sad, it's it, it's choking me up even right now. I'm not trying to be dramatic. But this was a friend of my mom. Uh, they they lived in the same building together. So you guys remember Linda. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my mom, she worked on her and to, gave her word and prayed for her and, and just, just about anything, everything she could do to help this woman be saved. Now, I don't know where Linda stands with God today. But I, I know that she had a battle with nicotine.
1: Mm-hmm. About Hey, it's,
0: it's it's an addictive substance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come on. Anybody that's ever smoked knows what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. It, it, it gets a hold of you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Excuse me. Sounded like I... Sorry, I'm not trying to make gross noises here. Anyway, it gets a hold of you. It really does. And it had such a hold on this woman that even with lung cancer, she couldn't. You know, it's like, well, smoking, that's a hard thing to quit. But not really. It's not really that hard. You just have to have something more important in your life.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Right? Now, it would seem logical, and we cannot use logic in these cases. That's one of my my weak points. Logic is a weak point for me. Mm -hmm. I tend to want to rely on intelligence, logic, reason. Stuff like this. The Lord's constantly my entire life been telling me, you cannot rely on your mind. Your mind's not good enough. Your heart's not good enough. Your education's not good enough. Everybody with me on that one? Yeah. So, but logically, I'm just using this as a point. Logically, you'd say, well, my goodness, if, if it's the stupid cigarettes that's causing the lung cancer, well, well, obviously she should quit. Well, we all know she, should, she had such a hard time. It was It had a hold on her. And I don't think it was just a chemical hole. I think it was psychological, emotional, mental. I mean, it, was, it was an experience in her life that gave her something that she was willing to continue to risk her life for. And this is, this is where we, we come to. Trusting in God is, is not really hard. Disciplining and giving up certain things is not really that hard. You just have to have something more important in, in place. And if we can dislodge something like that, you know, I'm not here preaching against cigarettes. It's not my point. It's just an example. Everybody hear me. If we can dislodge these trusts that we have, you know, some people think, if I just have enough information, I'll be able to beat this. No, you can't. No, you can't. What about the scripture that says, my people perish for the lack of knowledge? Yep, God's people perish for the lack of God's knowledge. Amen. Okay? Amen. God's I'm people saying. will perish for the lack of knowledge of him. Yes. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about knowledge in general from the world. No. Okay? You guys know I like uh, keeping uh, abreast of you know, all the latest scientific discoveries and all that. But hey, listen, these guys are, are wrong most of the time. Mm-hmm. Okay? You, you, know, you, you guys know I like talking about stuff like that. But listen, I don't trust in that. Don't never mistake that. I don't trust in that world. I don't trust in a system that doesn't even believe in God for the most part. Mm -hmm. So if I talk about these things in church, it's because the Lord has given me permission. Use this example. Okay, that's it. I don't trust in a history book. I don't trust in a math book. I don't trust in a science book. I don't trust in the Internet. I don't trust in these sources that give me information in these things. Right. I trust in the living God who made the world to tell me how he made the world. I trust in the living God to tell me no matter what the world says, I did destroy the earth in a flood. And I did restart the human race with eight people. I believe that. Do you believe that? I believe it happened only 4,500 years ago. I mean, to most of the world, that's a stupid belief. And it has no scientific or modern, current scientific bearing. I don't care. The Lord told me it's true. His word told me it's true. And I believe that word. So if if you think I'm trusting in science. Think again. I use this stuff because my mind leans that way. This is the reason why I use that example. We tend to want to. Use logic or reasoning. And if we think. If I can just get enough information. I'll know how to be. No, no, no. no. If you get enough God. God can take care of anything. Praise God. God is taking care of everything. God's not losing any battles. Listen, when you get sick, God's not losing a battle. When when bad things happen and your finances drop out, God's not losing any battles. He's still got you. So by default, you're not losing any battles either. We don't need to have shame. We don't need to have fear. These are the tools of the devil. I'm not getting very far with this. I'm going to read it though. I will say of the Lord. I will say. So important. I will say. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. And from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers or his pinions under his wings shalt thou trust his tr- truth shall be thy shield and buckler thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night nor by the arrow that flieth by day nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday a thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand but it shall not come nigh thee Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Well, what about all the Christians that have died on this already well, that is it's not your business. Your business is to trust in God, Amen. not in the numbers. Amen. Not in the numbers. Everybody with me? Amen. Come on, we're we're not trying to make you put blinders on. We're trying to encourage you to open up the eyes of your heart. Amen. Your eye, eyes of the spirit to see Jesus like you've never had before. Amen. Everything will become clear when we just we we'll just look at him. <laughs> And the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me. Therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I Will, will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. There's different sections to the psalm. It starts off by saying, I will say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We should say those things. Then he goes right off to preaching to someone else. I'm going to say, the Lord is my refuge. Then he starts saying, and this is what the Lord is going to do for you. And then at the very end of this psalm, it's the Lord himself speaking what he's going to do for us. Every part of this is quotable. Every, every bar, part of this is something we can proclaim and claim for our lives, our families. Praise God. Amen. And thank you, Jesus. Let's Amen. praise the Lord again. Lord God, we love you tonight and we thank you. We thank you for your goodness Hallelujah. and your mercy, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank, Jesus. You, Jesus. thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank, you. Hallelujah. thank you, Jesus. We thank you. I thank you, Lord God, that we do not have to be afraid. I thank you, Lord God, for giving us that power and that love and the soundness of mind. I thank you for giving us the Holy Ghost. And power. I thank you for baptizing us in the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah, Lord God. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah,
1: Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus.
0: I see that you're recording. That wasn't. My message tonight. That's Jesus. all right. A good really reminder good. is always good. Mm-hmm. I've I've probably said these things a bunch of times over the last couple of years, but here we are saying it again. One more time. One more time. If we have to say it next Sunday, we'll do it next Sunday. Amen. Amen. Praise, Praise God. God. Amen. Hallelujah. No matter what happens to us, we are in the hands of God. Turn with God. me to Amen. Genesis chapter fifteen. This is uh, this is what we're going to get into tonight. Um, when we were on the Fresh Fire. Uh, all-night prayer meeting a couple weeks ago. The Lord had me talk about some of the things we're going to talk about here. Um, I put it in a encapsulated form. Uh, The Lord has told me to broaden it out here tonight. We're just going to have a Bible study uh, in um, what's going on. We're we're coming down to the end of our calendar year. As you know, Mm -hmm. this is not necessarily the end of a season. In fact, uh, according to the motion of the earth around the sun, we just started the season yesterday. So but um, so that doesn't necessarily mean it's a spiritual season coming in, and January 1st does not necessarily mean the beginning of a new season either. But we do feel that here at the end of the year, maybe going in a little bit into the next calendar year, 2022, we are in a season of confrontation season of confrontation if you're anything like me you don't like confrontation some people do I don't I tend to be introverted and I know some of you probably can't guess that by the way I act in church but hey, listen so, some of you know me uh, when I was you yeah, know well you know me all your life really uh, all my life but uh, some, of, some of you know me a little bit better and when I was a kid, I was very quiet, very shy, Mm -hmm. and uh, I I liked to goof around and laugh, but for the most part, I was just a very quiet person. I I did not confront, I I let people railroad me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think part of that was because I had an older brother who was physically larger than me, and I just got used to following his lead in everything. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't want to do something tough, we're going to do that. Mm -hmm. If uh, I didn't want to share my toys, tough you're going to share your toys not really sharing when you make someone do it but anyway um i love my brother don't i, I a recording like this ever gets in his hands amos i love you uh this is uh, nothing against you but it's we were kids he was the older brother he was the boss you know if my parents weren't around he was in charge and uh, uh he won all his arguments with his fist. and i'm not even joking about that one he won all of his arguments with a fist and uh, if I didn't like it, tough. You get a punch in the arm or you know, a punch in the stomach. I got my breath knocked out. Uh, there were times that he would literally haul off and hit me right in the chest hard enough to knock the wind out of me. <gasps> Felt like I was dying. That's that's how it was. And so early in life, I just got used to just giving over. Whatever anybody wanted from me, I'd, I'd just give it to them. I, when I was in kindergarten, there was a little boy in class. He was... He was uh, from a poor area of town, and our family wasn't, wasn't very well off either. We, we were always pinching pennies in my house, but his family was even worse than my family. And he found out that I came to school every day with cookies in my lunchbox. Uh-huh. Once he found that out, he came up to me every day, can I have your cookies, can I have your cookies? And I would just give it to him every day, you know, at snack time. He'd be like, he'd, he'd just be there waiting for me to get my lunchbox out of my little cubby hole, And uh, he'd, be like, he'd just have his hand out like, mm-hmm. and one day the teacher noticed it. It's like, have you been, d-? and I'm just like, yeah, like what? I didn't know, you know, I just, yeah, he wanted it, so I just gave it to him. You know, I'm not a confrontationalist. I don't like confronting, and yet the Lord has told me a lot this year, but especially down. Where we are right now, it's a time it's, We're in a season In fact, we're coming to the end of this season This is a time of confrontation A lot of things that have been going on in church A lot of things that have been happening Even with our reset in October Things like this has been a confrontation A confrontation on three different levels We confront God We confront the devil Now when I say confront God that's not in, I'm not talking rebellion right. we say, don't, don't hear me Don't hear that We're not talking about confronting God in rebellion. We're talking about getting before his throne. And looking at him. And talking with him face to face. That's confrontation. Okay. And we're not really doing the talking. in that confrontation. We're letting God talk to us. But we're also confronting the devil. We're getting in the devil's face. We're also confronting ourselves. We're confronting. This is a time where the Lord is opening up. Like he hasn't. It, it, I don't know when. He's, confront, he's telling us we have to confront our fears. We have to confront our shames. We have to confront our offenses, our bitternesses, our carnality, our weaknesses. We got to confront them. Because we have lived too long. It's easy for humans to live. I talk a lot about this. It's because this is all part of the message. And what I find is I, I usually say the same things. Just repackage them a little different. Tonight I'm going to be a little bit more direct. So, what we do is we just get into a mode where, hey, I'm afraid of this. So, what? I'm just going to, it's just life. That's just how I am. It's my personality. It doesn't matter. I'll, I'll, I've learned to deal with it. Well, how do we deal with stuff? Well, some people deal with it with medication. If I'm <clears throat> nervous and anxious, I just take a pill and I'm not nervous and anxious anymore. I was at an ALJC conference years ago. I think it was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And a man, I do not know how this man got behind the pulpit. And I don't know what, excuse me, Lord, it helped me. I don't know what, I'm not going to say any derogatory terms, but I don't know what leadership uh, felt it was a good thing to put this guy in front of 300 or whatever ministers Mm -hmm. and, and, and to instruct them. But this guy stood up and said, if a pill can fix it, it's not a devil. I wanted to throw my Bible at him. What, you know, I'm just sitting there going, where have we come? What are we doing when we're allowing in a large fellowship of men of God to be told by a a man who's in the psychiatric realm or whatever realm they call that, you know, uh, psychology realm. He's coming in, he's, he's not even a minister. He's telling a bunch of men of God, filled with the Holy Ghost, and saying, if a pill can fix it, it's not a devil. You know, but What if a devil wants to get you in trap and get you bound in medications and chemicals that stifle your very mind, and, that, and, and so he's going to sell you a bag of lies that says all you have to do is take a pill and you're good. Listen, I think everyone in this room realizes that statement was wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to convince you of that. You listen to the Holy Ghost. But I tell you what, I'm not saying my Holy Ghost is different than your Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. The old timers used to say that. They'd be like, my Holy Ghost says this. (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) There's not different Holy Ghost. If we all have the Spirit of the living God, He's going to say the same thing to each and every one of us. And I'm telling you right now, when I was standing in Tulsa. I think it was Tulsa. Tulsa, Oklahoma and whatever. I think it was Renaissance Hotel.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it um, was standing there. Or sitting there in that case. Listening to this guy say stuff like that. My Holy Ghost. <laughs> but really the spirit of the living God. Said that's not true. Mm-hmm. That's a lie from hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I saw so many men of God applauding this so good oh uh-huh. you guys have the holy ghost you guys are men of god you lead other people you are leading people to god supposedly and you're applauding this lie I, you know listen i'm not down in the aljc i'm not down in the men that applauded him they, uh, after this guy got done speaking the the MC got up there and said oh man wasn't that great what was the one thing he repeated one thing he repeated. He says, oh, wasn't that so great, folks? How about that? If a pill can fix it, it ain't a deal. How about that? You know." And I was just like, of all the things he said, that's the one thing you repeat? Mm-hmm. The biggest lie? Goodness. And I was like, please, you know, I don't, I don't want to ever go to another conference where this kind of foolishness is going on. Mm-hmm. I remember another time uh, we were having a camp uh, meeting at, in Brackney, Pennsylvania. And one of the men of God decided to bring in... Uh, psych evaluation test for the young people and my dad got wind of it he went right up to Brother Maynard and said we are not doing this As said my young people will not be submitted to that garbage he said we're shutting this down right now and my, my dad was not the boss he was a prophet of God though And he walked right up to the leadership and said, this is evil. This is of man. This is humanism. We're not subjecting our young people. And I'll tell you right now, I'll pull every single one of my young people out of their classes. They will not attend this stuff. And Brother Maynard said, okay, we'll we'll shut it down. And this other man of God who endorsed all this garbage got so mad. And forever after that, he absolutely hated my father until my father's death. This man probably still hates the memory of my father because he dared to stand up to foolishness like this. But this is what we're talking about. This is the kind of confrontation we're talking about. We're not just confronting flesh and blood. Our job is not to... We we probably read Ephesians tonight. But our job is not to confront or to wrestle with flesh and blood. We're confronting devils. But the third, the third area is, is ourself. We've got to confront our own shame and fear and offense and bitterness and, and carnality and weaknesses and all these things. We have to confront them. And don't, don't fool yourself into thinking, oh, well, it'll just all smooth over. I was talking to someone years ago, and I was so disappointed in the conversation. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you two stories. You, you know me. I'm good for a story. It's, I have a million of them. And the reason why is because... I remember God's given me a good memory, and the other thing is I learn from my experiences. That's not a brag. God's helped me. Okay, I don't learn from every experience, but if I'm telling you a story, it's because I've learned something. That's why I tell so many stories. I'm not trying to bore you, you know. And I know these stories are not always that interesting, but they teach me something. I'm trying to teach you something. Not too long ago, I uh, uh, was talking to a man. And uh, he was talking about how he had a certain condition in his body. And I said, well, we're going we're to uh, join together right now. We're going we're gonna to come against this thing. And, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want you to pray. God's keeping me. Mm-hmm. And I needed some clarification. I, said, I was like, you don't want me to pray for you? No, no, I don't need prayer. You know, I don't need prayer because God's keeping me. And I was so dumbfounded. I didn't know what to say. I was having a phone conversation. I was thinking this guy would come to church the next Sunday, and the church folks would surround him, and we would, in faith believing, lay our hands on him, and we'd see this thing taken care of. And I was feeling all kinds of faith in that moment. And he, and this brother just basically said, "No, no, no, no. I don't. I don't want. I don't want prayer. I, God's keeping me through this." I was just like. Looking at my phone like, am I hearing this guy right? Well, another story. Years and years ago, I was dealing with a sister in the church. Uh, This is a long, long time ago. This has got to be about 15, 16, 17 years ago. And I was uh, ministering to her about wounds and things in her heart from her past all the way down to her childhood. Mm -hmm. The Lord wants to get these things up and scrape these things off. He wants to scrape them off your mind. Off your memory, off your heart, off your spirit. He doesn't want you to order your life by these hurtful memories of your childhood anymore. And, and I, I gave examples of you're not operating the right way because everything you do and everything you try to do is controlled by the hurt and the wound and the abuse that you received as a little girl. And this sister basically, uh, in, in, in not so many words, and not these words, but in her own way, basically said, well, you know, you can, you can use those kind of things to help others. Absolutely you can. If you've been through something in your life traumatic, then God will use you to see someone else delivered. Does anybody understand right. that concept? Kind of? Sure. Right. But you've got to be healed. Right. Of it before you can help somebody else. I mean, my goodness, if a doctor has leprosy, how good is he going to be helping a man with leprosy? Mm -hmm. Most everybody in a hospital or medical building or staff, they'd be like, Doc, you got to go. You need help. You can't come in here and try to help folks. Mm -hmm. You know, if, well, let's just use a current example. If, if a physician or a nurse or any kind of hospital staff uh, was confirmed to be COVID-19 positive, are they coming to work to help uh, somebody else in the hospital? You better believe they're not. you got to get home and get better yourself before you can come back to work and help uh, some worse folks, right? Come on, this makes sense to us. I mean, that, that just makes And again, I'm not trying to lean on logic. I'm just trying to say, this is how it works. We know this is just how how it works. Even Jesus said, if the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall in a ditch. You've got to have someone with sight leading someone else uh, into the paths that we need to go. Praise God. I'm not trying to be offensive here. I'm not trying to be offensive. But the idea was, you know, you need to be healed of this. And this sister basically, in a very respectful and nice way, said i don't want to deal with that because I can still help people and you know I, you know i don't have to i don't have to dredge up all this pain and all this stuff, but it's already there it's already affecting everything you do everything you think every mm-hmm. every place you go every time you try to do something from, from god the, the the devil just puts his finger on the sore spot mm. now, it doesn't take much i mean if you've got a broken arm and someone Touches that break. They don't have to touch it hard. But, yo, oh, don't touch me. It just a little bit of touch. If you've got a knife wound in your side that hasn't fully healed yet, if someone comes along and just touches a little bit, it moves your whole body to defend against one little spot, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It affects your whole walk. It affects your whole life. We've got to get these things healed. The only way it's going to get healed is confrontation. I want to... I want to. I want you to turn with me to uh, Colossians chapter two. <clears throat> a couple of years ago, we did quite a few weeks in shame study. Anybody remember all those lessons? Shame. We did it right over here in this room over here uh, because they had shut us down, and uh, not fully. We were still able to. Uh, they never fully shut uh, meetings down altogether. We could gather with five people, <laughs> and so we did. We gathered five people in the room over here, and we did Skype at first, and then we went to Zoom. But in those early days of COVID, we did. We were doing uh, shame studies, and one of the things that the Lord brought out continuously. I know I told you Genesis 15 a minute ago, but we're gonna before we get to Genesis, we're gonna turn to Colossians. Two fifteen. All right, everybody there? <coughs> I'm not there, so um, bear with me. Anyway, we we heard over and over and over during those lessons: shame doesn't go anywhere without con- confrontation. Fear doesn't go anywhere without confrontation. You have to confront it. You have to. You you have to get in its face. You have to literally, like David, say, "Why art thou cast down, O my soul?" You literally have to get in a mirror and say this is what's going on let me ask you a question uh i'm asking you a question uh not not for a vocal response let this be totally rhetorical but have you ever have you ever like been afraid mm-hmm. now first of all yes we've all been afraid that's not, not really the question but let me say it this way at times that you were afraid And you macho dudes, okay, I'm not just talking to you three men, oh, four, sorry, four men. I'm not just talking about you four men. I'm talking about anybody that might be online or might be hearing a recording in days to come. But any of you macho men that try to act like you're never afraid of something, you're only lying to yourself. Mm -hmm. The best thing you can do if you're feeling fear is don't pretend you're not afraid. Mm -hmm. But here's the question. The question is this. Have you ever, when you're experiencing fear... And you don't want anybody to know about it. And you're trying to put on a good face. Have you ever gone to the Lord and just said, Lord, I'm afraid? Again, rhetorical. You don't have to answer that. Now, I just want you to answer that for yourself. Because my follow-up statement is, you should. And by the way, this isn't just for the men. This is for all of us. Okay, uh, you know, All of us. When we're feeling afraid in any regard, we should go to Jesus. I did that today, folks. Again, I'm not trying to brag about my spirituality. I'm just saying God's taught me a few things down through the years. God. He's taught, you know, you know, of, it's easy to learn things about natural stuff. That's why Jesus taught in parables. Because they were natural pictures that bring us into a higher realm of understanding in the spirit, right? Mm-hmm. So because Jesus knows that being flawed human beings that are kind of locked into our flesh... Because we, we think of this physical reality more real than the spiritual reality most of the time. That's not a shame on anybody. That's just, it's kind of, because we have a sin nature, the, the flesh is weak, we lean in favor of the flesh, don't we? So we tend, as humans, we tend to see this realm as the real realm. When this is the created realm. And we've already been told that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away, right? Amen. We we know that heaven and earth will melt in forever heat, according to Peter. We know that heaven and earth, the old heavens and the old earth will be destroyed Mm -hmm. by fire. Mm -hmm. And we know a new heaven and new earth will be created. We know all these things. I'm Mm not here to teach you that. You already know that stuff. So what I'm trying to say is the realm of the spirit is never going to be destroyed and remade. Everybody with me? Mm-hmm. The the realm where God is, well, whatever that is, and, and I don't pretend to know, but whatever existence God is, wherever his his f- the fullness of his realm is, and what I'm trying to say is the realm where only God exists. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So I'm not trying to confuse anybody with lofty thoughts. Obviously, God is here. Mm-hmm. God is everywhere. That's what okay. Psalm 139 says. If I if I make my bed in hell or in the grave is what that means. If I make my bed in Sheol, God's there too. There's nowhere we can go that God's not, right? So I'm not saying God's not here, but there is a realm where only God dwells. The purity of the spirit. That's never going to be destroyed and remade. There's no reason for it. Right? But we know this creation will be destroyed and remade, right? So why is it that we consider this more Reality than the realm of the spirit it's because of our weak flawed sinful human nature that's that's really the that's the simple answer we could we could go over that a lot but I'm running out of time here that we, we could talk about that a lot but that's not the purpose for tonight but that's typically what to do can, can we admit that that we typically look at this physical world as the greater reality even though mentally we kind of know it's not especially us that have the Holy Ghost. But that's, that's kind of what we do. And so, when we're, when we're kind of dwelling on that, we, we can learn, or not dwelling on it, but when we're kind of living in that mode, it's easy for us to learn how to manipulate things physically. Mm-hmm. It's easy how to learn how to build stuff, or how to make stuff, or how to grow stuff, or how to live our life in the physical world. Mm-hmm. But it becomes so much harder To enjoy uh, the the things of the spirit realm, it it becomes even really hard to learn how to do. I mean, we know, I mean, come on, every single one of us in this room. I remember when I was in kindergarten back in 1977, uh, I took a little styrofoam cup with some dirt in it and I pushed a sunflower seed in there, a sunflower pod, whatever you want to call it. And you know what? something started growing out of that thing. Mm-hmm. We transferred it to our backyard. We used to live on Pope Street. Pope Street, Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a little garden in the back mm-hmm. and uh, behind uh, the garage that we had. And I went back there, took a little shovel with my mom's help, dug a hole, and I put all that dirt with that little plant, put it in there, and just a little while, there, that sunflower was way taller than I was. I couldn't even touch you know, the flower part of it. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, we collected all those seeds. One of my favorite snacks was those little packages of roasted, salted sunflower seeds. Right? Yeah. They just, just, they came in those little like tube things. You remember those? Yeah. They just pour them right in my mouth. Ah, you know, I used to love those. And uh, well, at the proper time, my mother goes out there, and and I remember it was in a bowl. She had this nice big bowl, and she's scraping all these sunflower seeds off. And I was about to reach in and just put them in the mouth. She goes, oh no, no, you can't do that. You gotta crack them open. I was like, oh, okay. I cracked one open and I put one in my mouth and I was like, (laughs) good. It wasn't roasted and it wasn't salted, you know. uh, But, you know, I was so excited that I had grown something that I can now eat one of my favorite snacks. You know, it didn't turn out quite like I thought it would, but um, anyway, uh, I I did end up eating them. Um, My mom, the whole family ate some, but uh, but I, I remember... that I was five years old in kindergarten. And I learned how to grow something. I learned the concepts of growing something. You put a seed in the ground and you water it. Yeah. And the Lord brings the increase, right? Well, that's a spiritual lesson that Jesus gives us in the Word. But it's amazing how hard it is to learn... We know the physical lesson. We know that. Every one of us know that lesson. We know the growing things is not hard for us physically. But how to grow something spiritually becomes... Difficult, but, I mean, how hard was it, literally, how hard was it to take a seed and just put it in the ground and every once in a while give it some water? That's not hard at all, is it? And I got a flower so big, it was bigger than me! Which was not saying much back in those days. I was only four feet or three-something feet high, you know. Um, Anyway... That's what happened. It wasn't hard. It wasn't hard to do. Uh, you just do a little bit of work, and the the earth and the the sun and whatever else, the magic of creation. Sorry for using the word magic, but the wonders of creation uh, make this thing grow. Mm-hmm. And I, my part was very little. Mm-hmm. You know, we can transfer the same stuff over into the spirit, can't we? Mm-hmm. And if we can just realize to make something grow in our spirit, it's not. Any harder. It's a parallel. It's a parallel. You have to put something dead into the ground, right? And you have to water it by the Holy God. Now, you have to know the understanding. You have to know the concept. You have to understand. We're talking about a repentance. And we're talking about a burial, a baptism, right? And we're talking about a resurrection, right? You have to know what the parallels mean. But it really is not hard to make something grow in the spirit it's no harder than trying to make something grow in the natural. Now, there are conditions. There are certain things you can grow and there are certain things you can't grow depending on the climate, depending on the soil, depending on a lot of factors, right? Mm-hmm. There are certain things that if you try to grow, if I went out there and planted a fruit tree today, we probably wouldn't get any really good fruit for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. Depending on the tree, sometimes you can get them in as little as three years, okay? But depending on the tree, you might be waiting if, you're, if the soil is not just right or the sunlight is not just right. Because some trees like shade and some trees like sun. You know, it is. Some trees like a little bit more water, some a little less, and on and on and so forth. But uh, you, you might be waiting 15 years to get any really good fruit. My friend, who's a landscaper, told me, he goes, you know when the uh, second best time to plant a tree is? I said, when's that? He goes, right now. He said, "You know what the best time to plant a tree is? So when? Twenty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, obviously we can't do anything about twenty years ago. What you can do is just do second best. Plant it now.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Plant it now. So I don't know how I got off on that tangent, but I, what I was—I ta- remember what I was talking about. I don't know how I got to that, but it was a good lesson anyway. Mm-hmm. Praise God. So uh, what we're talking about is if you're experiencing something—shame, fear. Uh, anger, bitterness, whatever it might be. The best thing we can do is just say, Jesus, Lord, however you want to address him, Heavenly Father, listen, he knows who we're talking to. There's only one God, mm-hmm. okay? But we, we go before him and say, I'm, I'm pretty mad right now, God. I'm pretty mad at this situation. I'm pretty mad at this person. Or I'm just really upset, Lord, because I thought that you were going to do stuff in, in my life and it's not happening. I'm, I'm just really upset. So well, I can't talk to God like that. You better start learning how to. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm serious. We have to learn. And not disrespectfully. We don't do this with just, we come before Him with the fear of the Lord. But we also come into the throne room of God with boldness. Right? Boldness because He's our Father. And we come before our Father knowing our Father is not going to smash us into jelly with his big powerful fist at one little infraction. Mm-hmm. He's not. Right. Listen, the Bible says it's not all who call me Lord, Lord that will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Yes, But those that do the will of my Father. Amen. Then he said, uh, listen, you know, I understand you've done all these wonderful works in my name, but I don't know you. So if you take the two statements together, uh, just because you're doing a lot of good things in the name of Jesus doesn't mean you know them. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's take it one step further. Just because you're doing a lot of good things in the name of Jesus does not mean you're performing the will of God. Mm-hmm. That's a hard one to swallow sometimes, folks. Mm-hmm. We can be doing things in the name of Jesus and by default we would think this is the way it is. But Jesus goes so far as to say casting devils out. Can casting a devil out in any context be something wrong or out of the will of God? I can't imagine it. But all I'm saying is, is without an intimate knowledge of the living God, we're not even going to know what his will is. And so what we're doing is going to be outside of his will. And so we're not going to be doing his will because we don't know him. The answer is knowing him intimately and therefore knowing his will and operating his will. That's how we're in. Right with me. Amen. So back to what we're saying. Listen, we need to come before him and say, Lord, I'm afraid right now. This is scaring me really bad. I don't know why I don't trust you fully in this regard, but I have to acknowledge that I'm not trusting you in this. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get to the place where that man was. Lord, I believe. You all know the rest of it, right? Help thou my unbelief. Thank you. Help thou my unbelief, we've got to get to that place where we're just open and honest before God. That's what we do when we confront the Lord. Now, I'm really getting ahead of myself. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 11, it says this. I know I said 15. I'm going to go back a little bit. In whom also ye are circumcised. With the circumcision made without hands. And putting off the body of sins of the flesh. By the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism. Wherein also ye are risen with him. Through the faith of the operation of God. Who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins. And the uncircumcision of your flesh. Hath he quickened together with him. Having forgiven you. All trespasses. Everybody say all trespasses. All trespasses. In fact, it might even be better to say forgiving you all trespasses. You know, yeah, go ahead. Forgiving Forgiving you all all. Okay, I know, I, I tripped you up on that one. My fault. But yes, having forgiven you all trespasses. You know, that statement alone, even though it doesn't often, that statement alone should cancel every bit of shame. Right there. Are we God's people? Yes, we are. Are we baptized in his name? Yes, we are. Are we filled with his spirit? Yes, Yes. we are. He has forgiven us all trespasses. That should cancel the shame right there. Every shame, every bit of it right there. Mm -hmm. It doesn't though. Isn't that amazing? It doesn't. Well, that's why he's talking about faith. You see what Jesus went through. So we can learn about how it works. So that we can go through the same process in faith believing, and then come and arrive at this place. Now, moving on. this says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it, nailing the opposition to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it, or in the cross. Was the cross a triumph? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, in one view, it's a a stumbling block, the Jewish, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, To the Greek Mm -hmm. mindset, it's foolishness. So to a carnal mind, it's either really stupid or something we just can't understand. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. That's That's why we can't rely on the human mind. We can't rely on the human wisdom. We can't rely on our knowledge and and, 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 uh, the ability to put a thought together. We can't rely on that. We can't rely on our emotions. Because what Jesus did, the Lord of all glory, uh, God come in the flesh, he gave up his life for us. That's either really dumb or just confounding. To the Jews a stumbling block to the Greeks foolishness. And yet, it's the very thing that saved you and I. Come on, we know this. This is not new information. This is what saved us. The fact that he went before us, he died for our sins. Thank you, Jesus. So when it says it's a triumph, that's exactly what Paul means here. It means this was a triumph. This is a triumph. He beat the devil by giving up. He didn't really give up. He, he beat the devil by giving up his life, his fleshly life. So this was a confrontation. So, you know, I was talking, uh, Brother Jeffers is always very, uh, always says this statement. Some of you probably recognize it. There is no salvation without confrontation. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. It's not a Bible scripture, but it's a, it's a, good, it's a good quote, okay? And I'll give Brother Jeffers the, uh, the um, credit for it, okay? Even though he got it from God. So we'll give God the credit for it. But there is no salvation without confrontation. Jesus confronted the devil. He confronted his own flesh. How do we know? He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Remember when Jesus said that? What did he follow it up with? Nevertheless. Nevertheless, nevertheless, Not my will, (laughs) but thine. I'm acknowledging that I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. I'm acknowledging that I do not want to go through this pain. Mm -hmm. I'm acknowledging that this is something I do not want to do, but... My favorite, three words in English smashed together in one. Nevertheless. Amen. Nevertheless. In other words, my fleshly desires cannot ever be put above God's will.
1: Amen.
0: God's will is never less than my will. Right. Amen. That's, that's really why it says it that way in English. Nevertheless. Right? The idea, I know I know, it doesn't mean that in the Greek, it doesn't. But in English, we just took three words and we smashed them together. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, it made it one word. But what we're looking at there is this. God's will can never, can never be allowed to be less than my will. Mm-hmm. Our will. Our human will, right? Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm afraid, Lord. I'm afraid. The best thing we can do is learn from Jesus and just say, Lord, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to do this. I'm afraid to go through the pain. I'm afraid to give up my life. Come on. Jesus didn't want death any more than we want death. He didn't like pain any more than we like pain. And I can tell you right now, I don't like pain. Anybody here like pain? No. There's some weirdos that do, but you know, hey, you know, really, the truth is, no one really does. No one really likes pain, and neither did Jesus. But he said, nevertheless, nevertheless. Now, if you will indulge me, turn to Genesis chapter 15. We'll go back there. We see Christ confronting Satan on the cross, and Paul calls it a triumph. He triumphed over them in it, namely the cross. The things that these ordinances that were against us, the handwritings that were against us, he nailed those two crosses. Right? And that was a triumph. Genesis 15 says, after these things, uh, a lot of good things going on in Genesis 14. After those things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So the word is usually something you hear, but it's something he saw. Figure that one out uh, and then make a report on it and get back to me next week. Yeah. The Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, "Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward." Now, how many knew that scripture before it came in that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably all of us. Probably all of us. Yep. We even sing the song, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, "I am thy shield and exceeding great reward. Fear thou not." Anyway, moving on. I think Brother Ollett wrote that song. So, uh, anyway. Amen. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless? and the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own insides shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said Look now toward the heaven And tell the stars if thou be able To number them and he said unto him So shall I see thee And he believed in the Lord and he Counted it to him for righteousness Mm -hmm. I'll stop there Paul quotes that several times In the New Testament he believed on him And he got the credit Of righteousness Mm -hmm. Now did Abraham do everything right No He went from here and had a son by Hagar, didn't he? Yeah. Did, did he mess up in some areas? Yes, he did. And yet God's saying, you believe my word, that makes you righteous. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God, Romans 5.1. Anybody remember that verse? Therefore, being justified by faith. In other words, we heard the word of God. We said, I believe that. And the Lord says, you're justified. Because we believe. well, we got to get to the place where we hear him, know him, know his will, get intimate with him, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about a reward here. There's a reason why. It's because the next phase after the time of confrontation is going to be a time of consequence. Okay. Coming in sometime in this new year, we are going to be entering into a time of consequences. This is what we explained to the fresh fire. Consequence does not always mean a bad thing. We just connotatively see it as a bad thing because in our current mode of English, at least in the United States, consequences almost always mean something negative. You're going to suffer the consequences. Well, if you're suffering consequences, it is a bad thing. But if you're enjoying the consequences, it's a good thing. Consequence, you know, everybody's heard the word sequence, right? Mm -hmm. It just means the next thing. Mm -hmm. The thing that follows, right? Yeah. You can also use the word consecutive. But in in a sequence, we're talking about uh, events. Event one, two, three, four, five. This is a sequence of events, Mm -hmm. right? So we've got the event of confrontation. The sequential event is going to be the reward. Mm -hmm. So we call those consequences. Mm -hmm. Now you've got a nice little English lesson. Write that down and take it home and and tell your family. All right. (laughs) Anyway, we're talking about a reward. But what did God tell Abraham? What did the Lord God Almighty tell Abraham? Or Abram in this case in a vision? He said, I'm your shield and exceeding great reward. I'm your reward. In other words, if you confront me, I'm your reward. You know, if you confront yourself, I'm your reward. If you confront the devil, I'm your reward. I'm your shield and exceeding great reward. Praise God. So he goes on. Uh, Let let me just, uh, we we all know James 2.26. Faith without works is dead. Just like the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead, right? Mm -hmm. Abraham believed God, and he got righteousness for it. He did not see his son yet. He even went on to make some mistakes, but he believed this was going to happen. He believed his descendants were going to be like the stars. My goodness, how many stars are up there? Modern uh, calculations say... uh, Around the entire world, there's about a billion of them visible to the naked eye. Now, none of us can see a billion stars in any one night because we're only looking at one piece of the sky. But if you count up all the stars that you can see from the earth in the naked eye, they say it's about a billion. That's a lot of stars, folks. Does that mean Abraham's descendants would reach into the billion? Well, yeah. Over all these years, I would imagine there's probably been at least a billion descendants from Abraham. At least, right? And, and now, you know, they're, they're not a large population in the world, but they're still here. And that's naturally speaking. But we also are the children of Abraham by faith. Yeah. And there's at a minimum of 2 billion people on this planet that at least nominally say they're Christians, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're talking about, if you're talking about natural seed of Abraham or even uh, children of faith, even though a lot of those are not children of faith. We're, we're talking, yes, you could count it into the billions. Even now. Everybody? everybody, yep. Okay, so far. Mm-hmm. Am I putting you to sleep yet? No. Yep. How about James chapter 1, verse 13? The trying of your faith worketh patience. The trying of your faith worketh patience. Well, these are, these are good words. Uh, we have to get our faith tried. What we're talking about is a test. A confrontation. You know, if God says it, he tries it. We even see in the parable of the sower, it says the, uh, the persecution that arises because of the word. Anybody remember what I'm talking about? We're talking about the stony ground in particular. Matthew chapter 13 and elsewhere, uh, Jesus talks about that parable of the sower. The first one we know is wayside soil. The second soil level is the stony ground, right? Mm-hmm. We all remember that the parable. The, that stony ground, what happened is the seed went in and it sprang up quick, withered away, right? The sun came up, withered away. And when Jesus was explaining that, also in Matthew chapter 13, he says the sun is, what what, what that is, is the persecution that arises from the Word. Mm -hmm. That means when we get the Word of God in our heart, there's always a trying of that Word. Now, now God is not the Son. We don't worship the actual Son, but we also know He's compared to the Son. Malachi chapter 4, right? And the Son of Righteousness will arise with healings in His wings, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not not wrong to compare God to the Son... It, 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 he, the sun, our natural sun, is a, an emblem of God. We, the, un, the unfortunate part is if we make the sun a God itself, and if we worship the sun itself, that's where we go wrong. A lot of things, most of the things in creation can point to God, should point to God. We should be able to look at nature and see His eternal power in Godhead, right? Mm-hmm. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Is everybody with me here tonight? Yes. Amen. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get done by 8.30, but can we hang out a little bit? Trying of your faith. It works patience. Let patience have her perfecting work. Let patience have her perfecting work. Why? Because this is is how... We're talking about confrontation. We have to confront the fear. We have to get... Uh, go to Jesus. We have to go to ourselves. We have to become like David. And, and, and I've got these scriptures written down. I, I don't know if we'll go over them, but we have to get to the place where we're literally looking at our own soul and saying, why are you downcast? Mm-hmm. Get up. Hope in God. He's still God. He hasn't changed. Amen.
1: Amen.
0: Hebrews 6, uh, uh, chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. As quick as I can. I'm going to run through a few verses here. Hebrews chapter 6. I'm looking at verse number. I think I'm going to start around. if I can get there. Start around verse number. Verse number 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed towards his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Someone said, Praise God for that verse. Praise, Praise God, God for, that for that verse. God is not forgetting about all you've done for him. Amen. God is not forgetting about your years of service. Even when we come into church and we hear a hard word, it doesn't mean God has forgotten you or what you've done for Him. It just means God is saying, I need you to go this way.
1: Amen.
0: So keep going this way. Verse number 11. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. That's what we're talking about. Hey, he's not forgetting about where you've been. He just wants you to keep going until the end. Amen? Amen. Amen. Keep going towards him. Keep doing what what you need to do. Keep doing his work in service and keep doing your labor of love. Verse number 12. That you be not slothful, uh, but followers of them through faith. And patience. Inherit the promises. Inherit. Get your reward. Get your income. Get your comeuppance. Whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Faith and patience. Mm -hmm. James says. The trying of your faith works patience. So Mm -hmm. let patience have a perfect Mm -hmm. purpose. Mm -hmm. James chapter 1. And now Paul is saying. In the book of pre-order, Whoever the writer is. I always assume it's Paul, but whoever wrote this book says, hey, these guys inherited promises through faith and patience. Let's look at another verse real quick. Uh, Hebrews 10.35, a couple of chapters ahead. In my Bible, all I have to do is turn one page, and it says that this in verse 35, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Praise God. It's a confrontation. Listen. You keep working. You keep having patience. Keep going. There's a great reward in this. There's a great reward in this confidence that comes from Surprisingly enough, the fear of the Lord, the next chapter in verse number six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There is a reward. There is a consequence coming. If we will do the due diligence now and confront our issues, it's hard, folks. But listen, hard and easy is relative. Can I give you a personal example? Last September or August, somewhere back in there, the Lord said, you're off sugar. He also told me to quit eating chocolate. Don't worry. He's not telling the rest of you that. Okay. Oh, I'm not. No, he told me. Now, I haven't been perfectly obedient. You know, I've had some chocolate chip cookies because I forgot that it's still chocolate, even though the main body of the cookie is not chocolate. You know, I forget every once in a while. Okay. Um. But so, it's not like chocolate has never entered my lips since last August, September. But uh, he told me, no sugar. So I I was off sugar for at least a month, maybe two months. Mm -hmm. And uh, all kinds of stuff just automatically got better in my body, just from stopping sugar. Mm -hmm. Well, over time, I slowly added a little bit more sugar, a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Well, last week, in fact, last Sunday morning, the Lord said... I never told you to get back on sugar. Get off the sugar. In just three days, I've been (laughs) feeling better. Sleeping better. Heartburn gone. I I never knew sugar had anything to do with heartburn. But I I, I would often at night, I'd be like, ah, you know, I'd be reaching for the tongues, right? You know, because, I mean, we all know it's hard to sleep with heartburn, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's like sitting there trying to sleep, and you're just like, ah, You know, that just that nasty feeling in your throat and your chest. Uh, you know, pop a couple of tongues, that's the cure. No, it's not the cure. It just it makes you feel better for the moment. Anyway, well, I haven't had to pop Tums. Just getting off sugar. Just getting off sugar. I never knew there was a correlation between sugar and heartburn. I, I've never heard anybody say that. Well, maybe there's not, but it just so happens in my life, that's the way it works. Mm-hmm. Um, inflammation of all kinds, uh, you know. I was having, uh, I was, uh, my knee has been hurting. Well, my knee hasn't really been hurting. You know, inflammation is down in my knee just from getting off sugar. Well, I've only been off sugar for three days now. Mm-hmm. Mm. It works quite, I mean, sugar is an inflammatory, it really is. I'm, I, again, I'm not preaching against sugar. All I'm saying is I'm trying to give you an example about what easy and hard is. Easy and hard are relative terms. In other words, well, isn't it hard to give up sugar? Well, it depends on how you're looking at it. It's kind of the example I gave before uh, of of the woman who had lung cancer that just could not get off cigarettes. There was something in her life that those cigarettes were so important that she couldn't couldn't allow herself to survive because she she wanted the the chemical more than she wanted life, apparently.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm not putting the woman down. I'm sad that she, she died. All I'm saying is, this is what happens to us. So it's like, in my life, is it it hard to quit sugar? Well, I'll tell you this much, it's not easy, it's not hard to have my knee in operation again. It's not hard to not have heartburn anymore. It's not hard to feel better. I was just praising God this morning because for the first time in a long time, I, I have no soreness I have no chest pains. And the chest pains usually come from my gallbladder. It's not my heart. Don't worry, folks. And keep praying for me, please. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not claiming any heart. But a lot of times, I'll eat something that inflames my gallbladder. And that makes pain all over my chest. I, I'm not having a headache today. I'm not having chest pains today. I'm not having aches and pains all over. I, I have plenty of energy. Uh, you know, wait a minute. I stopped sugar, which should be giving you energy. And yet, I got more energy. for not. So it's not hard to feel that way, folks. Mm-hmm. I still got problems, okay? You know, I'm I'm not dwelling on them. But all I'm trying to say is, well, was it really hard to give up sugar? Not really when you consider the benefits. And that's just a personal example. I'm not saying God's telling you to give up sugar. I'm just telling you what he told me, okay? Everybody cool? Mm -hmm. Don't stone me. All right. Oh, he's taking away sugar now. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you what God has done for me. So what I'm saying is, yes... Do I like sugar? Yep, Sugar is an addictive substance. Mm -hmm. Sure. And it's only really addictive, not because of the actual chemical compound of of some, there's all kinds of different sugars, of course, but it's not really that. It's because of the dopamine hit your brain releases when you eat sugar. Mm -hmm. Dopamine is a reward. Here I am talking science stuff, but that's really what it is. You get addicted to your own chemistry. It's not really the sugar. It's the sugar that promotes the addiction. You can get addicted to sugar, right? Yes. Uh, if you don't know, now you know. Mm-hmm. But listen, if there are rewards for getting rid of it, then it becomes easy to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. That's, that, was, that was my own point. That was my whole point. Mm-hmm. So it's like when, when we're talking about a reward, you know, is it easy to confront your fears and your shames and your bitternesses and <clears throat> offenses and your weaknesses and your carnalities and all that? Yes, it's hard. But let's put it into a comparison, a contrast to what are the rewards for confronting this. There's good rewards. According to the word, there's good rewards. There's life. Praise God, there's the abundant life. There's health. There's prosperity for confronting these things. John said it. I I want above all things. I desire above all things that you prosper and be in good health. As your soul prospers. Right. This stuff has to be confronted in the inside. I'm running out of time here. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on. We, uh, we, we can look briefly. going to look briefly. We already know the scripture. You don't have to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. If you'd like to, that's fine. Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm looking at verse number 10 and 11. Finally, my brother, uh, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We're talking about confrontation against our enemy. That's what we were talking about in Colossians. Jesus confronted the enemy. We also confront the enemy. So yes, that is one of the confrontations. That's one that our church is actually more familiar with. We've confronted the devil tonight. It's often that we come in here and we confront the devil, right? This is something we've learned in the Cumberland Church. We've learned how to confront. Mm -hmm. One thing that I feel as far as the Cumberland Church as a whole, this does not necessarily mean every single individual here is having this problem, but it seems like to me as a whole, the Cumberland Church has problems confronting themselves. Mm -hmm. So if that hurts your feelings, confront it. You see, see how it always goes back? You know, really? I mean, the, the answer is, if this is making you have hurt, offended feelings, then confront the offense. Take it to God and, say, and, and bring it to a confrontation. Lord, I'm offended at the word that pastor spoke tonight. Do it! It can't go wrong! When you get down on your knees before God and say, I really didn't like what pastor preached tonight. Is he wrong? Am I wrong? What, you know? Hey, God's got to tell you Gotta tell you. You know, I don't have to prove anything to you. All I have to do is stand up here and deliver the word of God. Mm -hmm. And even though I've done this many times in the past, I've tried to hammer you into trying to believe that I am speaking the word of God. Well, I don't have to. The Holy Ghost inside of you will know. And if your Holy Ghost don't know, the living God that gave you the Holy Ghost is going to know. And if you're listening to Him and confronting properly, He's going to tell you what's up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's easy enough, right? Yes. So whether I'm right or wrong. The word ends up being right. Yeah. The conversation still has to happen. Folks, I'm, I'm, I'm laying it on thick, and I'll tell you why. It's easy, it's easy to not do hard things. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. I don't really want to do that. I don't want to confront myself. I don't want to trudge up the old pain. I don't want to get into this. I don't want to. Oh, yeah, it's hard to do. But consider the rewards, and it becomes easier comes easier. Brother Douglas used to say, "It's a cinch by the inch, yes, hard by the yard. Yep. Don't try to swallow it all at once. Mm-hmm. Just take a little bits at a time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you're feeling something right now, bring it to Jesus, Lord God. I, I'm feeling nervous. I'm feeling like I really don't want to do this. Take it to Him. Talk to Him about it. It's really. It's. I mean, come on. Does that? I'm hoping this is going to be the case. Does that relieve some people? Like. Well, we can really talk to Jesus about that. We can talk to Jesus about everything. But sometimes we just have to be told by Jesus, you can talk to me about everything before we realize, hey, I could have been talking to Jesus about this for a long time. Is it really okay to admit to Jesus that I'm being afraid about something he told me to do? Uh, you better. You better learn how to talk to him. Who else are you going to talk to? Yeah, you can talk to a guy like me or your brothers and sisters in Christ, but really the person you need to be talking to the most about it is God. Amen. Amen. Can we hang out a few more minutes? Read, if you will, on your own time. You can take this down in your notes. Read on your own time. Psalm 42 and 43. This is the part that I often go to. You can also read Psalm 103 if you'd like. But Psalm 42, 43, and if you'd like to add to that, Psalm 103. This is where we see David talking to himself. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? He's looking inside. He's confronting himself and saying, Why are you so down? Is that weird? Mm -hmm. Well, it shouldn't be. It's in the Bible. You know, you've heard me talk about this all the time. I'm one of those loonies that talk to themselves. I do. I talk to myself. Uh, But most of the time, I'm really just I'm kind of like... Talking to God, then I'm talking to my own soul. Talking to God, talking to my own soul. But what did I learn that? I learned that from David. I learned it. He's asking himself, why are you cast down? And then he's instructing himself, hope in God. Put your hope in God. Right? Amen. Come on, everybody with me? Yes. Amen. Okay, so instead of reading all that, that's when we confront ourselves. We've got to confront ourselves. We're confronting the enemy. We're confronting ourselves. Now, I'm going to go through three verses in 1 John and the book of John. First of all, we're looking at 1 John chapter 3, 1 through 3. 1 John chapter 3, 1 through 3. 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. We're confronting God.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're going to God. We're looking at Jesus. We're looking at who he is, how he is. And we're starting to become like him just by looking. So let's go all the way back to John, not First John. You can keep your finger in First John. But now back to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse number 18. It says this. No man hath seen God at any time. Well, we just took that out. I guess we can't do that, right? No, 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 keep reading. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. In other words, he's spoken him out. The living God, who no man has seen with their natural experience, has spoken out salvation. And we can confront him. We can go boldly before the throne of grace, according to Paul, right? Well, according to the writer of Hebrews. We have not an high priest, for we have not an high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we, yet without sin. Therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. Come on, we know these scriptures, right? Somewhere in Hebrews? Chapter 3, chapter 4, somewhere in there, right? Everybody all right. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. By the way, uh, we're going to have to just get used to maybe going past 8.30 on Wednesday nights. Uh, Let's just... um, you know what? I'm wrong. I'm looking at 1 Timothy, not 1 John. 1 Timothy. You can take your finger out of 1 John and go to 1 Timothy, okay? Sorry, my mistake. 1 Timothy. Everybody, all right? We're going to use this as our last scripture, so we're almost done. 1 Timothy. I'm in 2 Timothy. Let's try 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16. I love this one. I'd love to spend a while teaching on this, but I'm not going to. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Mm. Received up into glory. So these, these same things really can apply to us. Great is the mystery of godliness. So if God was manifest in the flesh, so are we. Justified in the spirit, so are we. Seen of angels, yep. Preached unto the Gentiles, sure. No, we don't really preach ourselves. We preach the Jesus in us. And we, with our mouth, preach Jesus. That makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. We're believed on in the world. Yeah, people will believe us. Some won't. Some will. Mm -hmm. Some believe Jesus directly and some have not. And we are going to be received up into glory. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So this mystery is applying to God and us, but it only applies to us when we confront God, look on him, and become like him. There is nothing more important in our lives right now. The devil's... uh, (laughs) Lord God, forgive me. My, my tongue is all over the place. In the name of Jesus, the Lord, the Holy Ghost is controlling my tongue. The Lord has been pushing us lately. It's not, it's not even really the devil. And believe it or not, it's not even really Pastor. The Lord's been pushing us. The Lord's been telling us things like, I'm not going to hold back. It's not just the man who's saying that. It's the Lord saying, I'm going to keep getting in your face. Why? Because you need to confront me. You need to confront the enemy. But the hardest thing I think we have is confronting ourselves. And for some of us, and for some of us, it's confronting God. Because for some of us, it's like an alien idea to go before God and say, Lord, I'm ashamed of the gospel. (gasps) I can't tell God that. Why not? He knows it anyway. I'm ending, but I want to throw this out there. When we start talking about soul winning,
1: when
0: we go out there and start talking to you and admonishing you by the Holy Ghost to go out there and talk about Jesus to someone. Some of us, many of us maybe, fear rises up. Oh, I, don't, I, don't have a, I don't know enough word or I don't know, blah, 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 you know. Or when the Lord comes along and says, have a Bible study in your home. Oh, fear, I don't know how to do that. Well, what did Paul say? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew first, and all, to all that believe, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, then what do I do about that? If fear rises up, then you go to Jesus and you say, Lord, Pastor telling us that we've got to go out and preach the gospel. That makes me scared. I'm afraid. That makes me ashamed that I'm not good enough to do it. Or it makes me angry that someone makes me feel like i got to do it. Mm -hmm. Come on now. Mm -hmm. The best thing you can do is get honest. Just talk to Jesus. And tell Him how you're feeling. And let Him start working on you. Right? Lord, pastor said we should be having Bible studies in our home. I'm mad at pastor because that's his job. Yep, it is my job. It's me and my wife's job. Your job, too. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. We do have a Bible study going on. Sister Esther's having a Bible study. Praise God. We should, we should all be inviting people into our homes. Mm-hmm. We should be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I've always been a little conscientious of it because it's, it's in the church. It's a little apartment. It's not a lot of room up there. But you know what? The Lord's been kind of ringing my bell here lately. Hey, it doesn't matter. Invite him in. Mm-hmm. Invite them in. Who cares? You know? There's nothing to be ashamed of. Say, Lord, you know, we can quote the scripture. I, I just quoted it. It's Romans 1.16 if you want to know. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, right? That, that's Romans 1.16. We can quote that, but what if we are ashamed? What do we do about it? Do we just slink and hide away in a hole and hopefully it's just going to go away? Shame doesn't go away without confrontation. you got to go before Jesus and say, Lord, I don't know why, but I'm ashamed. Let him start dealing with it. I'm going to tell you, he's going to heal these things. Mm -hmm. The best news about all this is there are consequences. There are rewards coming. But there's also negative consequences coming. If we're not confronting now. Mm -hmm. Folks, last statement, I promise, before we stand and pray. A lot of times when we're feeling this hopelessness and when we're getting attacked, a lot of times what's happening is we're focusing too much on ourselves. You know what the answer is? Dealing with someone else's problem. Finding someone else that has a problem, helping them out, and your problems diminish. Stand with me. Lord God, help us to be soul winners. Lord God, help us to confront. Help us to come before the throne room of grace and receive grace and mercy in our time of being. Because Lord God, you know that we have a need here. We have needs. Help us to confront ourselves. Help us to learn how David confronted himself. And so we can learn how to confront yes, ourselves as well. Lord God, you've taught us much about warfare and confronting the devil. Help us to keep doing it. To keep putting on the armor of light and confronting the enemy. But Lord God, help us not ne- to neglect confronting ourselves. Confronting our own shame and fear and any other negative thing that comes against us. Help us to be honest with you and honest with ourselves. Yes, Jesus. Lord God, let this word sink into the hearts, minds, spirits, and even the bodies of your people. Help us not to be so rooted and grounded in the things of this world, but rather rooted and grounded in the principles of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Can we praise him? Lord God, your word might have upset me a little bit, but I still praise you.